T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The sky is gray. All the leaves are gone, actually. Not even just brown, they're gone. We are baseball dreaming on the 2nd of January here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. And much, much to discuss. A couple of great guests coming up. Looking forward to talking about it. Happy New Year, Bruce Levine. How you doing this morning? Happy New Year, Matt, and to all of our listeners. I thought you were going to break out into a Mamas and Papas song. I was ready. All the leaves are brown. Yeah, see, I was leaving it for you. Gray. Uh huh. Was leaving it for you to do that. For God's sake. Oh, yeah, but uh, I think you're the one. Gone. You're the guy with the voice. Yeah. You're the guy with the voice. I just, um. I, uh, I, I I dream of having a voice like yours. Listener uh, to the station and friend Mark Caro of the Chicago Tribune he always tweets a song every morning. This morning he tweeted. From the Who's Tommy, Bruce, and I know you, you know it, uh, got a feeling 21 is going to be a good year. Finally, that reference came back around. Only took 100 years for that Who reference to have relevance uh, for this year. Let's hope that 2021 is a good year. We, we sure hope that for everybody out there. Matt, uh, a big show today as we discuss the U Darvish deal and ramifications for the Cubs. Steve Stone will join us at 930 to talk a lot of White Sox baseball, top of the 10 o'clock hour. We will be talking to our good friend Jim Deshays about Cub baseball. Your calls at 312-644-6767. We are in a new year. We are likely six weeks away from spring training beginning, but who knows, Matt? Uh, we are not sure that exactly that will be the starting time for baseball this year. There's a lot of unknowns out there right now. Yeah, there are. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, Bruce, before we get going, talking about, um, about Jed Hoyer, you Darvish, and that deal. And as you mentioned, Steve Stone and Jim Deshays, really looking forward to the show. I, I, I was hoping for a crowd at a baseball stadium in Chicago by the 1st of May. What do you think? Is there a chance or would you take the over on that one? Well, you know me, uh, when it comes to that glass being uh, half full, I don't even see the glass. <laughs> there's, there's no glass there. So you're asking the wrong guy. 
I, I, I try to be a realistic and as pragmatic as possible when it comes to uh, looking at uh, the baseball season and where our country is at right now as far as uh, gatherings. And I'm, I'm just hoping baseball starts by May, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I think if you hear, if you listen to enough people around the game right now, and, and here's the, a quick intel on that before we get into our Darvish talk. From what I understand, uh, m- most of the major league executives are planning that uh, their camps will open on time right now. However, as far as rentals for their mm-hmm. properties that they rent during spring training, uh, they've already, they've all, almost all of them, from what I understand, have made uh, the uh, accommodations to also be able to rent the month of April. Hmm. So that's telling the fact that uh, there's a likelihood that uh, baseball may be delayed a month, and who knows, depending on you know when inoculations will take place for everybody, when the vaccine will be ready for baseball players, if baseball players will take it, if the Players Association fights uh, Major League Baseball by insisting that all players take the vaccine if they're going to participate. It's a can of worms. So um, I'm looking forward to baseball. Not sure when that is going to start. Well, uh, that's that's good intel. Um, and as always, you think about either the traveling secretary or some of the the business angles on how they're prepping in order to really get the idea of what's going on. All right, so maybe May first for opening day. Um, I'll adjust my my dreams and and hopes for a crowd at a ballpark to June first, or maybe even the All Star break. But. We'll see. We've got time to let a lot of different factors play out, that's for sure. Bruce mentioned we are here for you interactively. The uh, BetQL listener line is 312-644-6767, and that's how you can both call us and text us. Adam Stadzinski is our producer. You can find us on Twitter and tweet at us as well. Lots to talk about. Um, Bruce, big, big deal by the Cubs is where we need to start. And then Jed Hoyer coming out to try and explain where they were. Um, I dealt with a lot of Cub fan anger among the listeners during the week on the radio. Um, what did you think of, of Jed Hoyer's explanation of where they were? And, and now with a couple of days removed, um, your thoughts on on what this move means, what it signifies uh, for where the Cubs are in their direction for this year and beyond. Well, Theo and Jed back in 2011 brought the word transparent with them. Okay. I think we heard it like hundreds of times for them. And mm-hmm. I think this is a very transparent move by uh, Hoyer and the Cubs to, uh, to say, look, uh, we told you this was coming. We're, we're, we're not the team that we thought we would be. We haven't lived up to expectations. We are uh, running out of time with this group. And therefore, uh, we are going to restock our farm system because we haven't been able to do that ourselves. So there, there's a couple of different things that are going on here. Uh, he didn't he didn't belabor the fact that they haven't been able to stock uh, the farm system properly, but we are here to do that because it's true. Um, they have just done uh, not a good enough job as far as developing pitching in this organization over nine years uh, to the point where they are now saying, hey, we can't afford to have a hundred million dollars plus every year going toward our pitching staff. And that's basically what it's been over the last five years, a uh, hundred million plus, which is almost half of their payroll over the last four years, where it's been close to and over $200 million a year. So 
from that perspective, uh, this is the only pragmatic way of going about um, rebuilding and trying not to be a bad team for a long period of time. They still have quality players. Uh, they hope to get more young quality players back for some of those. And in the meantime, uh, they are dumping out of, of paying an exorbitant amount of money. They won't be in the top uh, 10 or 12 of uh, payrolls in 2021. And, you know, I, I don't blame the, I don't blame the uh, franchise for um, taking a step backwards to take a step forward. And uh, I think we have some tape from Hoyer to kind of support that, Matt. Yeah, we do. And it's interesting, Bruce, because there are obviously a ton of little things that we can talk about and parse and a ton of factors. Did they get enough? And we can talk about that. Should they have eaten some of the money or not? We can talk about that. But the overall zoomed out picture is something a lot of us have been thinking about for a while. What are they going to do? What are they going to do as this window nears the end? Are they going to just blow it all out and keep trying, 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 and then fall off the table? Or are they going to try and extend um, themselves as a franchise in terms of competitiveness? And Jed Hoyer spoke exactly to that with some surprisingly specific examples as part of his press conference this week. You know, when you look at, you know, teams that, you know, you have a window of, of time with, with players, you know, I think we, we have not been able to extend a lot of these players to, to extend that window. That's a fact, you know? And so with that, we know that we're coming to the end of, of, of this group of players, a, a wildly franchise successful franchise changing run with this group of players. We're coming to the end of that, of that run. And so as we come to the end of that, it's really important to, to think about, you know, the future. I think there are Plenty of examples of teams that were able to have a, you know, a small reset or to make a move in that direction that it really helped them. The Yankees and the Red Sox in particular, I would I'd use them as examples. There are teams that never had that opportunity or chose not to take it. You know, the Giants and the Phillies and the Tigers would be those examples. And I think that it's important to us that, you know, we as you come to the end of this run, as we've invested, you know, so much financial capital and so much prospect capital in this group, you know, I, I think that the former group is the group I'd want to be in and, and not the latter group as far as, you know, how the uh, the post run, the, the post window transition looked. That that that's that's kind of remarkably specific in ways that we have talked about. But it's rare to hear a GM give you those kind of examples. And the Phillies after the Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard era fell completely off. The Giants right now are down after winning three titles. The Tigers, after the Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander era, fell very far off. Um, the Cubs tried to win more than one, tried to get to more than one. They failed for, for uh, lots of reasons. But here they are very plainly not wanting to fall off the table like those franchises, trying to find some way to extend the competitiveness. And that's clearly what ownership wants as well, Bruce. Well, you're right. And, uh, you know, when you finish uh, at the, near the top of your uh, division and in baseball with your record for many years in a row, like all those teams that he identified did, you draft a very low uh, in the first round. You don't get the top picks in the game. So from that perspective, you're behind the eight ball. And then when ownership says, let's keep pushing it, let's keep trying to win because we owe it to the fans, we owe it to ourselves to cash in at this time. Uh, in more ways than one, uh, when the minor league system isn't there to support you, you are totally screwed. And that that's the situation that the Cubs find themselves in. So 
Uh, when, Ms., when Mr. Ricketts said at the end of 2021 in a story I wrote uh, uh, about um, where they're at, he said, for the last year and a half, I've been monitoring where we're at as far as the draft and as far as um, our player development goes, and we need to get better at that. We need to do a better job there. We need to be a franchise that can sustain itself with its minor league system. And being able to do it both ways is the way that um, Hoyer is trying to do right now. As you mentioned, Matt, to me in our uh, pre-show talk, uh, only the Red Sox and the Yankees have been able to do that over the years where they have a brief step back and then step forward again. Uh, Boston has seen it go up and down a number of times yes. over the last decade. Uh, so uh, to be able to do both is really very difficult, near impossible. We'll see if the Cubs can pull off uh, winning in a division that's uh, a below average division when you take the first look at it in 2021 in the National League Central and being able to move forward and do both. But it's going to be a difficult process to do that. In the meantime, Fans are going to be irate about the fact that you're dumping out on some of the top players in the game, including uh, a pitcher who was uh, near the very best in baseball in 2020. And I completely understand their anger, and I empathize with their anger. I feel like um, our job on some level is to try and zoom out and explain the thought process uh, as well here. And it should be said, Bruce, like you mentioned, the, the problem that they're in, the situation that they're in, is their own doing for failing to draft and develop and for whatever reasons, as he mentioned there at the beginning of the cut, failing to lock up their guys. Whether they self-scouted and decided we want to keep KB, Chris Bryant, or we want to keep Javier Baez, or we don't want to keep uh, Kyle Schwarber so we should trade him, or, or, or all those decisions about their core – that situation is in a mess right now with no one either locked up or dealt at the top of their value for prospects that would have refilled the system. So, so, so they find themselves in here uh, due to their own doing. What's interesting is... Well, you know, there's another heard... side to that, too. Go Matt. ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. And I don't mean to interrupt you there, so hold your thought, please. But very quickly, there's another side to it. They were offered uh, long-term contracts, all those right. guys. Right. They chose not to take those, Okay. So there's two sides to that, but go right ahead. No, no, you're, you're right. And, and those guys, you know, bet on themselves in a way that with the state of the market and the quality of seasons that they just had, maybe they regret, you know, they, they may or may not regret that. that that's absolutely correct. Um, what's interesting is that, and Jed referenced it at a couple different points in there, and we've talked to fans in the past few years. They decided now that they're not good enough to win the whole thing. They're not, and, and, and I, I, I agree with that. And it's a, a difficult thing when you've just come off a division win and you're in the playoffs four out of five years, uh, but they decided instead of continuing to try and go for it and spend a little bit more and maybe change another coach or two and also add a player or two and, and hope for more and do all those kind of things, they decided to kind of punt on the idea that the bones of this team is good enough to win a title. And that is a baseball perspective that I think is really interesting and, and worth debating about where they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at also the situation with uh, Cub fans thinking that the, the uh, Darvish trade didn't bring back enough quality and enough major league 
close talent to be satisfactory. Uh, part of that is true. Uh, they, a lot of them will say, well, you got your the 11th, the 13th, the 15th, and 16th best player in the minor league system from San Diego. That's not good enough for one of the top pitchers in baseball under contract for the next three years. On the surface, that may be true. But when you look at different minor league systems, you cannot say they're all equal as far as picks go. Uh, now, the 11th, the 13th, the 15th, and 16th uh, players ranked in the minor league system for San Diego are probably the 6th, 7th, uh, 9th, and 10th in the Cubs system mm-hmm. because the San Diego system has been far superior to the Chicago Cubs for many years now. The Cubs are ranked way down. San Diego has been in the top uh, three over the last four years. So when you you have to be careful when you talk about what prospects you got back. All were highly touted. All were highly paid as young players, getting anywhere from one five to two point two million dollars as sixteen and seventeen year olds. So th- this is not uh, pie in the sky. There is some legitimate talent coming back for the Cubs. As to how that relates to you and rooting for your team the next couple of years, it doesn't. Well, that's the issue, right? Is that is that they're very far away. So they're all 17 or 18. I think only one of them has played above rookie ball. Um, actually, only one of them has played a professional game. And, and none of them are in the MLB top 100 prospects. So it, it, it's, hard to, it, it's hard to look at this return and say, oh, it's going to be a quick reset because none of these guys are going to be part of the mix for the next two or three years. That's why... That's why, as you judge the entire thing, you're going to have to wait and see what other moves come along with it. And, and maybe there's a cohesive batch of moves between now and opening day or between now and the deadline that restocks the system. Because there is value in restocking the system with young guys like this. It's just not the kind of value that, say, the Yankees got in 16 when they got Glaber Torres or that the Red Sox got other times when they got guys who were very close to being ready for the big league level. The one exception I have to the trade is that they didn't address uh, the the one area they need the most, and that is they didn't get a pitcher other than not, Davies. Not Davies one of those satisfies notes, you yeah. for this year. He's a good pitcher. He'll give you solid innings, and he'll, he won't be uh, he won't be all that far off from being a a good number three four starter for them. But in reality, uh, no pitching in the organization. There's some young guys that are coming now. Uh, we know about Marquez and a few others that are coming, but uh, at some point, you know, where are the power arms? Where are the arms developed in the Cub organization? That has been a big void, and it's something that they have to address. Absolutely. Um, I know you were on the conference call when you, Darvish, spoke to the media in San Diego, uh, Bruce, and it's, um, th- there was some confusion there, and it's kind of unfortunate that he found out about the trade on Twitter. Then, but then he said that his representative may have talked to the Cubs earlier in the day, so he excused that uh, a, a little bit. But, but what were your takeaways from, from you, Darvish, talking to the media the other day? Very emotional about leaving Chicago. He, um, there's an empty feeling for him just getting comfortable and being accepted as one of the top pitchers in the game like he expected to be all along. When he came in in 2018, only pitched eight games, got hurt, had a, a surgery on his elbow, uh, came back and started to establish himself in the second half of 2019 and certainly in 2020. 
Uh, just a, a feeling of why would you trade me now when this is what you wanted all along? He just doesn't mm. get that the Cubs are not uh, feeling like they want to win right now. So um, he, he's off to a, I mean, good for him. He's off to a place that's going to win and is going to compete uh, among, with the Dodgers for being the best team in the National League over the next few years. That's for sure. Let's hear some of you, Darvish, uh, as he spoke to the media on the call. Bruce was also on uh, earlier in the week. This is you, Darvish, talking about the, the trade and how he feels. Obviously, with what's happening with the coronavirus and uh, the money that the Cubs have, he wasn't. I wasn't really thinking about being traded. But um, and also, they are a winning team, so um, I thought we would be able to compete. But um, obviously, I was shocked uh, in a good way the interpreter uh, for you, Darvish. And, you know, you, Darvish, goes to a very comfortable place. San Diego is obviously a beautiful city and a great climate. It's a phenomenal team. He goes along with the catcher, Victor Caratini, who he formed a terrific bond with and pitched very well to exclusively as a member of the Cubs um, in, in recent vintage. And he goes to a guy in A.J. Preller who has always liked him, uh, always believed in him. And, and, and you wanted to talk about this last week before the trade happened, about the interest level. So tell people about Preller and, and, and use history a little bit. Bruce. Well, Preller was an uh, international uh, top scout for the Texas Rangers back in the day from about 2007 on. And uh, he scouted and helped uh, push the Texas Rangers to sign Darvish. They developed a strong relationship where they continue to talk over the last 10 years and uh, go out to dinner. They are very close. So there's going to be that good feeling, that warm feeling for him, that if anything it doesn't seem right, all he has to do is text Preller or call Preller, and they have a personal relationship. That is going to work uh, for them uh, going forward. Preller had told me a couple of years ago that uh, you know he would love to have a guy like Darvish to finish off what they're trying to do there, and, cer- and certainly he's been able to pull that off. Hey, before yeah, we I, go to a break, Matt, let, let's take a call or two, okay? Sure. This is John in Minnesota on 670, the score on Inside the Clubhouse. John, good morning. You're on the score. Thanks, guys. Um, I really appreciate your work on Saturday mornings. It's been great to listen to you. Um, my point is this. Um, what I don't understand, Bruce, I think Boyer's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Um, when he says, hey, we want to replenish the farm system because there's two ways to do that. You, you acquire talent or, or prospects or you acquire draft picks. If they had tendered Schwarber and didn't do anything with him next year and let him walk, they would have gotten a first-round pick um, or a, a late first-round pick, which is extremely valuable. So to say this is not the money part of it, I don't think is right. Hmm. Well, I understand your point. You're also talking about a guy that hit 188 last year and a guy that uh, they didn't think was worth $9 million. Unfortunately, that's just how they looked at it. Uh, your points are well taken, but, um, you know, Schwarber will sign somewhere, and it might be a one-year deal or a two-year deal, but uh, I don't think anybody's signing uh, Kyle to a long-term deal right now coming off of that year and knowing, you know, the situation going forward that he's a free agent starting after 2021. Yeah, this, this is, you know, it, 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 the money obviously is, is, is a massive factor here. It's $59 million off the books um, for the next three years. And this is when, when sports can hurt because a, a, a corporation and a, a family business um, can take a look and make 
what they think is the right financial choice in addition to the right baseball choice. I mean, I think multiple realities did come along here together um, to lead to that. This is Joe on the far northwest side who wants to hop in on 670 to score. Yeah, good morning, Bruce, and good morning, Matt. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm going to comment on this Darvish trade. You know, but after the season was over, three-fifths of your starting rotations off the books. But with the Darvish and Hendricks left to build on, and by trading Darvish is one thing, in my opinion, but by adding your backup catcher in this trade, Carantini, outside maybe getting Zach Davis back, Zach Davies back, uh, but just by getting virtually four high school varsity players and two tickets to the sock hop in return, to me it doesn't make any sense. Because you still need to add to the starting rotation. In my opinion, you know, addition is better than subtraction. And why don't the Cubs haven't been investing uh, in their minor league system or their to restock their pond and say pitching prospects? We didn't get any pitching prospects in return on top of that. But if the Cubs' philosophy is to dump contracts at these peak prices, what they're talking about, Jason Hayward, in my opinion, he should have been at the top of the list. I mean, Hayward's what, owned what, $65 million over the next three years, you know, give or take each way. Good but luck, Joe. I would have Good. to add maybe $30 million and, and trading uh, Hayward and putting $35 million into the bank account so we could use it towards something else. Hey, hey, built- hey Joe, Joe, I'm sorry, we got to run, but, but good luck trading those guys. You know, that, that's the thing. They, they waited and ended up getting pushed into this particular offseason, this climate, in a horrible time for the industry, horrible time for the economy, and a horrible time for the value of Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez, and Jason Hayward at that contract had a, had a good year, but it's, it's difficult. I, I, you know, I think, I think they have tried and probably will continue to try to trade some of those position players um, who have uh, the higher numbers. But it's, it's not a good time to try and do it. And this is what they ended up feeling like they had to do. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We'll take a break here on Inside the Clubhouse and switch it over to White Sox Talk. Steve Stone, the best, will talk White Sox with us next. Jim Deshays of the Marquee Sports Network will join us at the top of the hour to talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Cubs on 670 the score. Um, I find that your your manager is your manager, um, and you, you respect him because he's your manager, but you also have to have a little bit of the uh, back and forth, and Tony has that ability to do that. I was able to, as a young kid, 
have that, uh, you know, that with him. And we've been able to keep our relationship up over the years um, and passing and, and things like that. So I think that uh, he gets kind of put in as a, hey, this is how it's going to be a manager. And that's not who he is. He has the ability to be social and, and be, you know, be personal because that's why he's been as successful as he can. So I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I think he is too, or, you know, he wouldn't come down to retirement after nine years. He's ready to win and he's been itching to do this. And, you know, hopefully we can uh, all, all get together here and make a good run of things. That's Lynn. Feels like a long time ago because of everything else that has gone on, perhaps, in our world. But that's a big-time acquisition for the Chicago White Sox and one of the biggest facets of their offseason. Let's talk about it here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score with our next guest, who joins us on the Al Pimonte Nissan hotline. And Al Pimonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. The color commentator for all your Chicago White Sox television games, a good friend of ours here at The Score, a good friend of mine for about 40 years. Steve Stone, nice enough to join us on a Saturday morning in January to talk some White Sox baseballs. Stephen, good morning. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you and to Matt. And hopefully uh, we'll see 2021 uh, considerably better than 2020. Here, here. We, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you a little uh, much about uh, the additions of uh, late, including uh, Lance Lynn, uh, Adam Eaton. Let's start with, with Lynn. What type of statement is this by the Chicago White Sox? How do you view uh, the, the signing of, of Lynn moving forward here? Well, I think when you acquire a guy with one year left on his contract, uh, it's a win-now philosophy. You're not acquiring Lance Lynn to win three years from now because who knows where he's going to be three years from now. But you do know that he will pitch a lot of innings. He will keep you out of the bullpen. He will throw strikes. He doesn't beat himself. He's a top-quality starting major league pitcher. The Sox certainly uh, needed one of those in the rotation. It's a very young rotation in some areas of it, uh, a little bit older in others. But uh, I think that uh, I'm not going to tell you that He's a back-end pitcher because I don't believe that. I think he's a, a top-of-the-rotation guy, if not a number one, maybe a number one A. But I do believe that the Sox were uh, concerned a bit about the youth at the tail end of the rotation, and they felt they could lengthen their rotation with Lance Lynn. I think it's a terrific sign. I, um, it, it, it hurt to lose Dane Dunning because I really, I really fell for him, and I, I know you did stylistically – as well, Stoney, and it's a lot of years of control, but this is a, it's an expensive cost of doing business, but is an acceptable cost of doing business? Yes, absolutely, because you, uh, you know, I think, and I believe that Dane Dunning is going to be a very good pitcher. I, I think for some of the people around who evaluated him on the latter stages of last season, they missed the point. He hadn't thrown in so very long in a competitive nature because of, uh, the delay of the season because of the surgery he had on his arm, and I think he just ran out of gas. So I think the first six starts or so we saw from Dane Dunning is more like what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a very good major league starting pitcher, barring injury, which is always the caveat you have to use. I think he's going to be there for a long time. I like his control. I like his competitive spirit. But you're not going to get a quality major league starter 
unless you give up something. And, and Texas was in a situation where they're not going to compete. So they were trading a little bit of today for a whole lot of tomorrow, and that's the kind of trades you have to make. And I, I think that uh, uh, it's not the last one you're going to see. It's a typical trade of a team that wants to win now. The Sox want to do that. And it's another typical trade you'll see of a sock, uh, of a team who is trying to uh, uh, consolidate their their system with younger players who are going to be under team control for a while. Incredibly, going into I believe his 40th year of being one of the top analysts in the game of baseball, Steve wow. Stone, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. How can how can it be 40 years when you're only 38 years old? I just don't understand. <laughs> how that is a possibility. Steve, when you look at um, the back end of the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they're talking about uh, trying to sign, you know, uh, some of the veteran bullpen guys out there to be closer or talking about the choices uh, they have in that very good young bullpen of arms that throw the ball 98, 99 miles an hour. And you have a situation on top of that, with Kopech coming back after not having pitched for two years, knowing that his innings will not be extended out all that far, and he could start as a bullpen pitcher. Hmm. What's your take on where they might go to have a closer in 2021? Well, I think the closer is probably around um, as far as the Sox bullpen is concerned. However, they want to go out and acquire some experience in the closing role maybe at least to start, turn it over to him. And then, you know, um, you've got Aaron Bummer, who was terrific a couple of years ago. Uh, he's going to be terrific again. His stuff is phenomenal. It reminds me a little bit of, of uh, Zach Britton in his prime, that big, heavy sinker at 97, 98 miles an hour. Uh, Garrett Crochet last year showed that when he's right, nobody hits him. I mean, it's almost like uh, – if Randy Johnson had control and you put him in the bullpen throwing 102, that's what Crochet did last year. So I don't know what the plans are for him. I do know that, number one, he's devastating, and number two, he's mighty intimidating. And you're not going to throw him into the fire right away, but you've got a guy out there who can pretty much do whatever he wants to do in this game. I think he showed that with his arm and with his stuff and with his command, which was surprising to me for a young left-hander, uh, the future is unlimited for him. So the arms are there. You've got Hoyer. You've got Birdie depending. I mean, you know, you always have to look at injuries. I think baseball discovered one thing last year, boys. I think they discovered with a one-month spring training, even though it was truncated, we had half of it in, in February, March, the other half obviously later on. One month is not long enough for pitchers. You saw a lot of injuries to guys that uh, might have been avoided had the spring training been longer. So I don't, can't tell you when it's going to be, but I will tell you there's going to be a six-week spring training this year. Pitchers need that. Hitters don't. But to avoid injuries to pitchers, we're going to see a longer spring training. That's going to allow more guys to be included for an audition or more guys to be considered than would be if there was a shorter spring training. So the arms are there. They will acquire one more uh, veteran guy who would be considered at least at first a closer. I don't know who it's going to be. I've been looking through, I got up early this morning, I was looking through the uh, the free agents still out there, and boy, there's a ton of them, and there's a lot of candidates. And, you know, without naming any, I, I think it's obvious who they're going after. It depends on where the bidding goes, for how many years it goes, and, and what happens after that. But 
Uh, it's going to be a bright year for the Sox. They're going to be really tough to contend with if they fill a couple of holes that they have. I can't wait to see how Tony Larusa manages this bullpen. Um, you know, I definitely want to talk to you about some of the other aspects of Tony uh, and his hiring. But I mean, this is a guy who in large part invented with the Oakland A's the kind of classic way that bullpens were run for 20 years with one closer and a lefty-righty setup guy, a lefty-righty long guy, yada, yada. And now things are so much more fluid and wide open. And, you know, Bummer and Marshall would be your prototypical lefty-righty setup guys to set up a veteran closer um, or a kid closer if they go with that. But I I don't know what Tony's going to do. Do you have a feel for for how Tony is going to manage the bullpen based on his own template that he kind of created and the way the game is going, Steve? Well, first of all, you're dealing with a guy who really understands how to manage. And more important than that, he understands how to deal with people. You talk to some guys who have been close to him over the years, and one of his greatest allies and a guy that just idolizes Tony is Albert Pujols. Uh, Albert came up. uh, Tony was there. Uh, almost like a father figure for him. And if you listen to Albert Pujols talk about Tony, you'll realize that uh, you're talking about a guy who can relate to his players. And I, I think that um, the one thing you can talk about what Tony is, what Tony isn't, uh, what age he is, uh, what experience he has, there's a number of things. There's, there's no end to detractors. There's a lot of people want to tell you what you can't do. That includes a Hall of Fame manager or anybody else, you guys, me, everybody else. There's always guys, especially on Twitter, who want to tell you that uh, you stink, you're too old, you're whatever it is. The point is you don't forget how to manage. And Tony will be able to handle the bullpen exceptionally well. You're talking, you might remember a starting pitcher that the Cubs had. A uh, right-hander had some success with Cleveland, with Boston. name was Dennis Eckersley. Uh, he got to Oakland, and uh, I think Tony did pretty well with Dennis. Dennis made the Hall of Fame, largely because Tony knew exactly how to use him, when to use him, and uh, uh, how best to get the most out of him. There were a lot of other factors, but the fact is, without Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan there, maybe Dennis Eckersley doesn't enter the Hall of Fame. I think that he's going to be ideal to handle young pitchers. I think that... Uh, he realizes over the years that the handling of your bullpen is the art of managing. If you don't handle the bullpen well, you're not a good manager. We've seen over the last few years that perhaps the Sox bullpen could have been handled a little bit better. And maybe the legacy of Ricky Renteria is a wonderful man, as nice a guy you'd want to have him over for dinner or have uh, uh, drinks with him, whatever the case may be. However, he just didn't handle the bullpen well, plain and simple. Um, Tony's going to handle the bullpen very well. I have no no qualms with that. I think he's going to be a terrific manager, and he's going to be given the talent to win and win now. When looking at uh, the offense and the balance that the White Sox need to have a championship-caliber team, we know they have great hitters. We know they have power hitters. They know they have uh, good right-handed hitters. Now with the addition of Eaton, You've supplemented an area that they need, and that is uh, a, a little bit of good left-handed hitting. But, uh, Steve, uh, from point of balance, uh, you know, with Grandal and hopefully, um, you know, with the third baseman coming back and being stronger as far as supplying power, how do you look at the balance of the, the team lefty-righty? And once you, we know once you get toward the playoffs and we expect the White Sox to be close to that every year for a while, 
uh, everything changes with the lefty-righty combination. How do you look at their balance, and do they need another left-handed hitter? Well, I assume they're going to look at bringing in another left-hand hitter. Um, don't know who it is exactly, but, you know, last year, Moncada got COVID and he got it early and he never really recovered from it. I'm not saying he, he couldn't play because he could, but he wasn't near as strong as he was the year before. I'm looking at a full comeback for him. I think when right, he's a huge factor in that lineup and he's improved as a right-hand hitter. He's devastating as a left-hand hitter. I think he's going to be very good again. I think you can, uh, you can look for a guy who was in the top 10 in hitting a couple of years ago. That's the kind of guy that he is going to be. And with this team, and with another year under the belt of Lewis Robert and Eloy coming back, and whatever Adam Eaton can give you from the left side, which I think is going to be is pretty good, um, I think there'll be enough balance to start with. I think you'd like a little bit more balance. I don't think you can ever have too many left-hand hitters with the preponderance of both closers and starters being right-handed. I think left-hand hitters really help you a lot. I know I had problems with teams that uh, that loaded up with lefties. Um, but I think the Sox should be in pretty good shape because I think their right-handers hit everybody. And uh, I, I don't think they'll fall victim to uh, to right-handers unless they have exceptional stuff. The mediocre right-handers the Sox are going to kill. The the uh, the threes, some of the threes, certainly the fours and fives in the starting rotation are going to not fare very well against this lineup. I'm not worried about the offense. I think they do have some speed. In fact, I'm sure of it. Uh, you know, you've got Tim Anderson keying this offense. You've got Abreu coming back and have a big year. This is this is a loaded lineup that's going to scare some people. And if you don't have good stuff on a given day, they're going to terrorize you. Appreciated the complete answer on uh, Tony La Russa. And uh, instead of following up there, I'll ask you about the catcher position uh, because I loved what James McCann brought to this team even last year. And I look at the depth chart and see beyond Yasmani Grandal, Zach Collins, uh, Yermin Mercedes. Do you think there'll have to be another catcher brought in or can Grandal, again, can Grandal handle? The, uh, the receiving part of it uh, as many games as he would have to at this point? Well, look, if you guys and, and, um, and I look at things, you would love to have another quality catcher to supplement with Yasmani who can both play first base and DH and give you flexibility, plus a switch hitter who can hit pretty well from both sides. Uh, but you don't want to see him catch too many games. He had some problems last year handling the ball. He frames it very well. That's remained a constant with him. He actually threw it pretty well last year. Uh, I'd like to see him receive the ball a bit better. And I, like you, love James McCann. Uh, He picked a perfect year to be a free agent and a perfect scenario with the Mets to get a four-year, $40 million contract. Quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of teams that would have given him $40 million over four, but Steve Cohn came in. He wanted to make a splash. He didn't want to pay what he had to pay for Real Muto, so in lieu of that, he got a catcher who can handle a pitching staff and do very well. The question that I have is, and I think Lucas Giolito will be smart enough to be able to adjust, but in many respects, James McCann was Lucas's mind. Lucas just executed. I say just because it's pretty tough to do, but James did all the thinking. They did the prep beforehand, and James went out, called almost every pitch, every game. The question for Lucas is, how are you going to get that kind of simpatico with another catcher? I think he'll be able to do it because he's a year older, a year more experienced, a veteran now, 
and a good enough pitcher to be able to do that. But it's going to take a while. That's why you also want a longer spring training to be able to get him and whoever is going to catch him most, and I assume it's going to be Grandal, to get them on the same page always so he can get, if not the same confidence in McCann, certainly something like that. So, yeah, a long answer to a short question. I think mm-hmm. they'll be looking for every option behind the plate. I think they feel good about what's there. You forget about Sevi Zavala. He's one of the guys that will be in the mix. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think they'd like to bring in some experience behind Grandal, however. Stephen, we appreciate it so much. Happy New Year to you. The best of health. And uh, let's hope that uh, we see each other soon and that it's in spring training in the middle of February and uh, that uh, everything is going to be good in the game and for everybody out there. Thanks again. And, uh, We appreciate you joining us today. Well, Bruce, it's going to be in spring training. I don't believe it's going to be the middle of February, but I was just looking at the uh, reporting dates and the first game of spring training and opening day, and they still have all of the dates that you would expect (laughs) if you're going to play 162 games. Uh, I would take the under on that if I were a betting man. Steve, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care, boys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Steve. Boy, it's Steve Stone. I'll tell you what, uh, Bruce, that got me excited for the good hardcore baseball conversation that uh, that will be coming with a very interesting team. We'll take a break. Come back. Jim Deshaies, top of the hour on the Cubs on 670 The Score. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. <laughs> Texters getting in through on 264467. People asking about Zach Collins, some of the other White Sox assets. And another one, Bruce, people... Asking, was this a completely lost season for minor leaguers this past year? And the answer was, for a lot of them, it was, right? I mean, you had some guys working out, but a lot of minor leaguers lost a year of development and training. Yeah, for instance, uh, look at the the Cub trade uh, with San Diego. No one got to see those players play unless they had a a Dominican scout uh, out there watching maybe one of the players. But from that perspective, unless you were a top minor league player that was at one of the remote uh, you know, places that the teams played, uh, you, didn't, you missed the entire year. So when you're talking about trading or projecting players, there's, there's pretty much a, a hole in every minor leaguer's uh, you know, composite for 2020. So a lot of it is um, going on past uh, judgment of what the player was, but with no player development, it was devastating for a lot of these players and a lot of these organizations. Yeah, the alternate site was basically AAA with maybe a few AA guys really looking at reserves that you could use for the major leagues. It's inside the clubhouse and 670 the score. Let's talk about the Cubs, the big trade, where things stand. And, um, oh, by the way, who is his broadcast partner might be with our man Jim Deshays from the Marquee Sports Network. We'll do that next on 670 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.